some friends of mine and, and I got really bored one time, and we had seen the commercials, you know, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a titular point? We found out. Um, know why, and I'll, I'll tell you that story some other time. I cut my tongue and everything. Anyway, um, it's not at all what I'm going to talk about, but it's an interesting story. Um, the ice storm last week, um, or the week before, whatever it was now, the days all run together, but we, we were fortunate to get out of town. We, we left and went to Nancy's parents up in Illinois. They had snow but no ice, and so we were able to stay there. They never lost power. And, and we came back that Saturday night to be here at church the next morning, and my father-in-law was joking with me. He said, now, you know, what are you going to preach on tomorrow, global warming or something? You know, and, and, and so, uh, it's, you know, it was obviously there was no global warming taking place those days when we, uh, you know, when we had uh, all that ice. And then this week we get weather close to 70 degrees breezy but but much warmer and and it's just amazing and this this kind of weather you know today's a nice day and and the rest of the week is supposed to be fairly decent and and this type of weather obviously signals that spring is at least you know closer and in this time of year I always think back to what I was doing years ago for so many years of my life around this time of year, and that was preparing for the next baseball season that was coming up. And, and practice for the high school teams will start in about a week and a half. And I, I just, it, it's, maybe you have those memories, just as vivid as if it were yesterday. I remember getting ready for all of that and, and uh, practicing and so on and, and, and just ready for baseball season to start. I was telling Chris Nelson yesterday, he and I, uh, we're uh, hanging out a little bit, and, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, this, this kind of weather just makes me want to get out and throw a baseball. And I, I couldn't throw it nearly as good as I maybe once could, and I'd certainly be uh, a little more sore uh, than I used to get. But at the same time, uh, it, no, it makes me want to get outside. I, I think back to when I was in high school, and, and I had the good fortune of, of uh, playing at a high school that was really, uh, really successful in baseball. And and I think back to my sophomore year, and we had worked and worked and worked, and maybe you've been this way before. You work for a goal, and you, you, you get so close to accomplishing something, and then you, you stand kind of right on the edge of it. And I remember in 1993, my sophomore year of high school, we made it to the state championship game. And we were, we were ready. We had practiced and worked so hard, and we had done all the little things right along the way. And we had won games that maybe we shouldn't have won, and, and, and we, we did things as best we could the right way. And we get to that state championship game, and we absolutely fell apart. You ever been there? You ever have something you just think, we're, we're so close, and, it, and then just something happens. We fell apart. We, defensively, we just we fell apart. We didn't score a run in that game. We got beat six to nothing. We, we, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like the Cubs every year. But... but uh, <laughs> So you feel my pain already. At least somebody does. All right? We're there. But, you know, we, I remember that game just thinking how crushed and defeated we felt. We, if we had played well, maybe we could have taken a moral victory away from We made 11 errors in that game. Now, if, even if you're not a baseball fan, that just sounds really bad. We, our pitcher made six alone. It's hard for a pitcher to even make one or two. But he made six errors on his. And we just fell apart. I remember feeling so crushed so defeated, just so discouraged, but I also, I also remember feeling as if, you know what, I, I, I want another chance. I, I, I'm glad that I'm only a sophomore. I've got some more time. I'm, I really wanted another chance to get back there. And, you know, we've all had moments like that. 
whether yours is a sports-related moment or not, you can certainly relate to the fact that you've had moments in your life when you've just felt defeated. You just Things didn't go the way you wanted them to. I mean, we, we've all experienced cycles in our life like that. Maybe some of you today come and you just say, you know what, life just stinks right now. I mean, it's just it's one defeat after another. It, it, even not just spiritually, but even in the practical things. I just can't seem to get anything to go right anywhere. Maybe you've been there before. And, and, and w- w- the story that we've been following for the last several weeks is the story in, in the book of Joshua. You don't have to turn there yet. But we, we've been following the story of the Israelites as they begin to, to go in and take over the land that God had promised to them hundreds of years before. And so we, 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 we picked up a couple of weeks ago, we saw the story in Joshua chapter 6, where, where they encountered Jericho, this fortified city, that God had an, an unusual military strategy. March around the city once every day for six days. On the seventh day, do it seven times. Scream real loud. Blow some trumpets. Crazy things are going to happen. The walls are going to fall down. And you're going to win. Now, I'm not a military guy in any way, uh, but that doesn't make any sense. And, but God came through. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Now, they still had to fight the battle and all that stuff, but they conquered the city of Jericho. They had this incredible victory. Yeah, we're the champs. How exciting. And in the very next chapter, chapter 7, they go up against a, a city that should have offered them no resistance whatsoever. And they get smoked. The Israelites absolutely get, get embarrassed by this city that should have no defense for them whatsoever. Now we find out that after the victory at Jericho, they didn't do what they should have done to ensure victory in the long run again. They fell into sin. They got away from the basics that God had said to do. And so in chapter 7... They were defeated. And Joshua's all upset. He says, God, you know, I don't even understand this. You said you were going to give us this land. And, and God says, look, get up. Joshua had fallen on his face before God. And, I, and God says, get up. You know, you, you, the people have messed up. Don't blame this on me. Don't act like it's my fault that you've now been defeated in this particular battle. Your people didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't remain true to what I told them. And so at the end of chapter 7, we see that the Israelites determined who it was that had sinned. They eliminate all those people. And we find them, we pick up today in chapter 8, where they are ready to do whatever it takes for another victory. They, they are, they're, they're ready to do no matter what, whatever God says, they're ready to do that in order to ensure that what happened in chapter 7 doesn't happen again. And maybe you've been there. I remember after that particular loss in 1993, the summer following, we were ready to get back to work. We, we identified the fact there were some things we, we could have done better. There were some things that, that if we had worked on this maybe a little bit more, we wouldn't have faced defeat. Maybe we'd have an, uh, another chance to win if we, if we just got back to work. And, and, and I, I, I know that it may, it may sound uh, sort of uh, odd to you, but I, I obviously uh, baseball, I try to draw baseball into every sermon that I preach. Maybe you've noticed that. But baseball is, you know, is the greatest game ever invented, and it has so much to say about life, and I happen to like it. But, and I have the microphone. So anyway, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I remember that next season, my junior year. And, and I remember getting back. We were fortunate enough to get back to the state championship game. So here we are again. All those thoughts of defeat come back again because in the top of the first inning, we got down six to nothing. We gave up six runs in the first inning. We start falling apart defensively again. I just think, what is going on? No way this is going to happen again. Maybe you've been there. You just think, this is the same thing that happened before. 
it can't happen again. We, we know what to do this time, you know. We come up in the bottom of the first inning with a choice to make. What are we going to try to do? Are we going to lay down and just give up? Because the year before we got beat 6-0, it's already 6-0, let's just go home. Or are we going to do what our coach taught us to do? We had an incredible coach, and he, he, he just told us, he said, guys, just keep doing what you know to do. In the bottom of that first inning, uh, just based upon a few hits here and there, getting hit by a pitch, getting a walk, and a couple of errors by the other team, we tied the score at 6. 6-6 six to six after the first inning. If you're a fan, you love it. If you're a coach, you're going crazy because you just think this is not the way it's supposed to be played. But by the end of that game, we continued to stay faithful to what our coach had taught us to do. And we did the little things right. And I'll never forget, standing at third base, playing third base in that game, and our pitcher throws the very last pitch of the game, and the guy swings and misses. We win, and we went nuts. You ever seen that at the end of the game? We're like little kids running around. We're hugging each other, even guys you don't like. You're hugging them. And, and, you know, and piling on top of each other. And I wound up about third from the bottom. You know, I was at third base close to the pitcher. And, and I got there about the time the catcher, who was bigger than both me and the pitcher, put together. He's hitting us and tackling us. And there we are going crazy. And, and, and we finally won. And maybe you've experienced something like that in your life. You just think, finally. I mean, I've been, I've been waiting for this. Something good to happen. Something, something to go my way. Finally, it was, it was our time to celebrate. We had won that victory. And... And, and we, we see this parallel story uh, of Israel ready for victory, ready to do whatever it takes. And I'd like for you, if you would, to turn with me to Joshua chapter 8. Joshua's over in the Old Testament. It's right after the book of Deuteronomy. So it's the sixth book in the Bible. The verses that we'll read together today, you'll see on the screen behind me because I realize that some of you may have a different translation than I'll be reading from. Certainly welcome to follow along, but I'd like for you to look at Joshua chapter 8. Look at the first three verses. Again, this is right after Israel has been defeated, but they, they're ready and desperate to do anything to gain victory. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take the whole military force with you and go attack Ai, the city they've been defeated by. Now understand this, that before they didn't take the whole military force. They got a little bit arrogant after their victory against Jericho. And instead of taking the whole military force, the guys said, you know what, this is a small town, there's no big deal, let's just take two or 3,000 people, and they were defeated. God continues, look, I have handed over to you the king of Ai, its people, his people, city and land. Treat Ai and its king as you did Jericho and its king. You may plunder its spoil and livestock for yourselves. Set up an ambush behind the city. Verse 3, so Joshua and the whole military force set out to attack Ai. Joshua selected 30,000 fighting men and sent them out at night. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different approach than the last time uh, that they were going to attack this city because the time before they'd experienced victory, and they sort of got a little bit cocky about it, a little bit arrogant about the fact that, hey, we just, you know, we defeated this city that we didn't really have to do anything. We just walked around, shouted real loud, blew some trumpets. God did something amazing. You know what? We're, we're, we've got it together. And this approach, obviously, is a little bit different after they had been defeated. And, and what follows in this story, we won't read it all, but what follows is Joshua doing exactly what God had said. He said, set up an ambush. And so here's what they did. Joshua sent several thousand uh, armed men, soldiers, toward this city. And, and, and in ambush, sort of in hiding, he had set up 5,000 soldiers that the people in the city couldn't see. And so what happened was the same thing that had happened the first time they tried to attack. The soldiers from this city come out to meet the Israelites in battle. 
So the Israelites turn around and run so that the army will chase them. As they do that, and they're running across the field, the 5,000 men that were in hiding captured the city and burned it to the ground and destroyed everything in it. So when the soldiers of Ai, this city, they turn around and look and they see smoke coming up from their city, they realize we've got to go back and try to defend our city because they're in there. But as soon as they turn back around, the Israelite soldiers in the city turn to face them, and so they're caught in between two big, huge regiments of Israelite soldiers. And as a result, that day, all the army of the city of Ai was completely destroyed. The city was burned. And then we pick it up and look in in chapter 8, look at the end of it in verse 28. It says, Joshua burned Ai and left it a permanent ruin, desolate to this day. He hung the body of the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded that they take his body down from the tree. They threw it down at the entrance of the city gate and put a a large pile of rocks over it, which remains to this day. And this is total victory. This is absolute annihilation of who God said, go and take care of. They had accomplished what they set out to accomplish. They did it God's way, and here they are on the brink of victory. Now understand that before, when they had defeated Jericho, they got a little bit arrogant. They fell into some sin. They didn't do things God's way, and they found themselves defeated. So here's another victory. Now, what will they do? Think about it in your life. You accomplish something. You you reach a goal. And for many of you, you're goal setters, and through your life, you've accomplished certain things. You've reached goals in business or in family. You've done certain things you wanted to do, and it doesn't just have to be things about money or or, 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 or things that people recognize, but you were able to do certain things in your life, or you've got some goals now, and you reach one of those goals. Or maybe you, you, you look back on the last year, maybe you own a farm, and you say, you know what, we had a, we had a good year. I mean, it, it was finally something, fun, something went right. For some of you, you say, well, that's not quite the case. Maybe in your family, maybe, maybe there was something, your kids finally did what they were supposed to do. And, and all of a sudden you just think, oh, well, that was, oh, wow, what, um, what happened? Maybe you, maybe you got a promotion, a raise at work, and, and, and all of a sudden you're, you've accomplished what you set out to accomplish. You've reached some goal that was out there before. You've sort of reached the next milestone. For many of us, you've reached the milestone of being able to retire. And you worked and worked and worked and worked and worked just so you could get to the point where you say, you know what, I don't have to work anymore. Isn't it great? I can retire. You've, you've reached that milestone. And, and maybe for others, it's just, you know what, something finally went my way for a change. I mean, it just all of a sudden, wow, things aren't as bad as they used to be. What happened? And, and then you get to the point, you say, okay, well, I won. Now, now what? I mean, is that it? You know, just kind of done? Is, is that what, what, what I was working for and now it's over? I, I want to pause for just a second and say this about, about God. It's very clear in the Bible that God has not designed you. God has not designed me for defeat and discouragement. He's not designed us that way. And I know that many of us in this room experience defeat and discouragement over and over, both in our practical lives of just going to work and it just doesn't seem to work out, or or things just aren't going my way and the different things I try. I mean, I I set goals and I can't ever accomplish them. There's nothing that seems to go my way. And and then also just in in a very spiritual level, you experience discouragement, just Satan, our enemy, just sort of throwing things at you. But I want you to understand that God has designed you for victory and success. Now, does that mean that if you set the goal because God's designed me for, for victory, I'm going to set a goal, I'm going to make $10 million this year. And because God's designed me for victory, it's going to happen. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But God has not designed you to be a person who's constantly defeated, 
Because you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you have God Himself, and He is victorious, and therefore He's designed you to be the same way. So when things happen in your life that are areas of victory, things go your way, what do you do? How do you happen, or how do you handle when, when things happen that are, that are good? Here's a general observation. I don't have a verse for this, but I think this is just common sense. This is something that I've noticed. We often handle failure better than we do success. You ever notice that? We often handle failure better than we do success. It's like, I remember in, in that summer after that defeat, we were hungry. We were ready to get back to work. We couldn't wait for the summer league to start because we knew we had fallen short of our goal. We were ready to get started again. But the summer after we won it, I remember that first week trying on uh, getting sized for our state championship rings we were going to wear, wearing our state championship medals around, reading all the newspaper articles, having everybody congratulate us, walking a little bit taller. I really didn't care if the summer league ever started because I just won. You know, when, when they said we're going to start again, I thought, well, what's the point? We just won. Everybody knows we're the greatest. We even had four guys on our team, myself included. I guess I should be ashamed to say I don't know, but we called ourselves the Fabulous Four, the Fab Four. <laughs> we were the Fab Four because we thought we were the four best players on the team. I mean, we, we, were, we were ready to go, you know. We, we had won. And, and, and so what do you do when you, when you experience victory in your life? Often we handle failure better than we do success. You know, and I, I was why is that? I mean, why is it that sometimes we like people better when they're not as successful as they used to be? Because they somehow changed as a result of all their success. You know, I, I think that it's easy. This, this concept, I think, is true because it's easy to stay humble when you lose. I mean, when, you, when you're not accomplishing the goals that you want to accomplish yet, and you realize you haven't quite gotten there, it's easy to stay humble. Because, okay, well, I haven't accomplished that much yet. You know, all right, I better not talk about things. You know, when we got beat in that state championship game, we weren't out bragging about it. I'm telling you what, when we won, there wasn't a person that I came in contact with that didn't know I just won a state championship. You know, it's easy to stay humble when you lose. It's easy to stay hungry when you lose. It's easy to continue to pursue your goals when you haven't quite reached them all yet. I mean, there are things in your life when you say, you know, I can do that better. It's easy to stay hungry when you don't feel like everything's going your way. It's easy to stay focused when you haven't quite accomplished everything. We knew that defensively we were going to have to do better the next year. You know what we focused on? Defense. In your life, in my life, when we, when we identify something, you say, you know what, I, I know I can improve in that area. There's something about the way I do my job I can get better at. Until you've accomplished that goal, you're going to stay focused because it's easy to do that. And in a spiritual sense, it's easy to stay dependent on God when you haven't accomplished all your goals yet. I mean, you think about the person who all, all they want to do is, you know, God, please bless what I'm doing. God, help me out. God, I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to make sure that I accomplish these goals. Lord, I'm going to do well in school. God, I'm going to do well in my job. Lord, I, I hope things go well in our family. And you stay dependent on God. And I know that the only chance I have of anything going well is because of you. And it's easy to do that before you've arrived, so to speak. But once you start have, having good things happen, once you experience a little victory in your life, once you accomplish some goals, you take a step forward, so to speak. It's not as easy when you win to stay humble. Not as easy to stay focused and stay hungry when things are going well. You know, we often say that, 
you know, God got my attention through a difficult circumstance. Why is that? Why did God get our attention through a tough time? Because it's easy when things are going well to get complacent. It's easy when things are going well, when we accomplish something, when we're, when we're doing okay, to get lazy, to forget about God, to not do all the things that we did before that, that helped us be successful. Easy to get arrogant. And so God then gets our attention through some negative circumstance, maybe because He didn't have our attention when things were going well. My prayer is that some great things will begin to happen in your life and in the life of our church, but at that same time, we're going to be facing them with what we should do and how we should respond when good things happen. And The Bible is obviously the beginning and ending point for everything that we need to know for all truth. And I want us to look at what the Israelites did after their victory. They had won at Jericho, then been defeated soundly. Now they've won again. What did they do at the end of this victory? Look at it in Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. At that time, Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal to the Lord, the God of Israel, just as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones, on which no, no iron tool has been used. Then they offered burnt, sacri- burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings on it. There on the stones, Joshua copied the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the Israelites. All Israel, foreigner and citizen alike, with their elders, officers, and judges, stood on either side of the ark of the Lord's covenant, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. As Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded earlier, half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and half in front of Mount Ebal to bless the people of Israel. Afterwards, Joshua read aloud the words of the law, the blessings as well as the curses, according to to all that that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read before the entire assembly of Israel, including the women, little children, and foreigners who were with them. Before they got arrogant... And maybe Joshua, as their leader, didn't do all that he needed to do to prepare them. But at this point, obviously they change. They realize if we're going to repeat success, we've got to do some things here that set us up for repeated success. There are three things that I want us to look at this morning briefly that highlight, I think, what their response was to this victory that God gave them. First of all, there was a burnt offering. This burnt offering was a sign of devotion. The the offering consisted of taking an entire animal and the whole thing was consumed. This was a unique offering because not all the time was the entire animal consumed on the offering. Sometimes part of it was given to the priest. Sometimes they shared a meal with part of it. But this burnt offering was a sign of total devotion. In a sense, the, the whole animal being consumed signified that the Israelites' lives were totally devoted to God. So it's a sign of devotion. They also offering, they, they, they give a fellowship or peace offering. Your version may say peace offering. And that was a sign of thanksgiving. This was above and beyond the the offering that they would normally give. This was in addition to, this was, God, you've been so good to us, and we can't help but be generous back toward you. This This was not a requirement. This was just something that they did above and beyond. And it was a recognition. It reminded them of their true source of victory. They they were forced to say, God, we know you gave us this victory. And then the third thing they did was the reading of the law. The reading of the law... Uh, reminded them of what determines, what really determines success. They were taken back to the basics. And now I don't know how much of the, 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 the book of the law included. Most people would say that it's, it's the book of Deuteronomy. 
There are 40, 34 chapters excuse me, in, in Deuteronomy. So in essence, Joshua stood before them and read to them 34 chapters of information, taking them back to basics. Now here's the deal. Some people would say, well, Joshua, good grief. Man, you ought to throw a party. I mean, you ought to celebrate. You ought to walk around town, read the newspaper a little bit. Y'all just won. I mean, it was a, it was a big victory. You, they, they beat you before, but now you came back and you got them. But we don't see any of that in verses 30 through 35 after the victory. What we see is them getting back to basics. And, and, and it's interesting to note that even though God doesn't speak directly to them to tell them to do all this stuff, this is what their leader and what the people knew they should do. They got back to basics because winning didn't give them an excuse to party, to relax, to forget about God. I'm thankful that after that junior season, that my coach, who knew what it was going to take for us to repeat success, put us back on the field that very next week after winning the state championship game. And we were playing summer league teams that we thought had no business being on the field with us because of how great we are, and we just won. But through that summer, he kept working us hard. And the coaches that coached those teams kept working us hard. And then we got back into the weight room in, in the fall. And we began to work hard. And he pushed us even harder than he had ever pushed us before. And when the season rolled around again, we finally agreed, you know what? We're not going to let happen what happens to a lot of championship teams. And that is they fall flat on their face. And we got back to the state championship game my senior year. And for the third year in a row, there we are faced with it. One having lost and then having won again. And our senior year, I'll never forget, playing shortstop. And that batter swings through the last pitch. And we win that game. And I'm third from the bottom again. And there we are celebrating, acting like little kids and having a great time. But we had repeated the success because we had a coach that took us back to basics. And he said, I'm not going to let you forfeit the opportunity for further success because you got arrogant. Because you stopped working hard because you didn't do the things that set you up for victory in the first place. Think about other real-life sort of examples. If you own a farm and things go well, the next year you don't just sit around and expect that things will go well just because they did the year before. You get back out and you work just as hard, if not harder, on that ground. And you do the right things over and over and over again because you know that's what sets you up for success. In your family, if things go well, you're not going to count on the fact that just because my kids did what they're supposed to this time, well, I'll just take my hands off. They got it. There's no big deal. They're 14. They know everything. At least they think they do. But at the same time, you're going to continue to stay involved in their lives. If you love them and you want them to repeat the success they had, if you think about it, if you get a promotion or a raise at work and you move up a little bit at your job and all of a sudden you stop working as hard as you did before, Eventually, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get a demotion. Or you're going to get a pink slip on the way out the door for poor performance because you stopped doing the things that got you the success in the first place. If you reach some particular goal and just think, well, that's it. I've done everything that I can do in life. You will slide backwards in life because there are more goals to reach. It's interesting that the book of Joshua does not end with chapter 8. This is just the beginning of their success of taking this land. This one victory isn't all that God had planned for them. And the victories you've experienced in your life, the accomplishments you've had, the things that you've worked so hard for and seen realized, that's not all that God has for you. Maybe you've overcome something that usually defeats you. 
But you'll be defeated by it again unless you return to the basics. Think about those three things that the Israelites did. They had a sign of devotion. I wonder what our world would be like if the Christians would say, you know what, I I refuse to be changed by success or victory because my devotion will never change. I'm always committed to being completely devoted to God. Think about it. What if the people that you work with or you're around on a regular basis saw you in some way you were successful in their eyes and you had victory, even in times when things didn't go so well, you stayed strong, and, and then when things do go well, you remain just as devoted to God as before. Unfortunately, a lot of times it happens the other way. We depend upon God until we get what we're looking for, and then all of a sudden we get complacent, we forget about God. But what if you stayed humble and stayed hungry to see that kind of victory repeated? They also had a sign of thanksgiving. When, when victories happen in your life, when good things take place, acknowledge and give praise to the source of ultimate and true victory. Because it's only because of God that you have any good thing in your life. It's only because of God that I have any good thing in my life. It's only because of God that I can take my very next breath. And He is the ultimate source of victory. And if I don't recognize that, I am quickly setting myself up to go backwards and experience failure. And then they had a reminder through the reading of the law of what determines success. The very first part in this series, we define success according to God's Word as being faithful and obedient to the Word of God. Joshua took them back to the reading of the law. What's our law? Then you say, well, should we just sit here and read this morning all 34 chapters of Deuteronomy? Anybody up for that at this point? No. Our law, Jesus summed it up, is this, to love God with everything you are, your entire existence. There is no part of you that's off the hook from loving and being devoted to God. That's the law of Jesus. And and in tandem with that, alongside it, is to love other people just like you love yourself. That is the law of Jesus. And if we experience good things in our life, and we return to devotion to Him, it never changes no matter what. We're always devoted to Him. And we offer signs of thanksgiving to Him. We recognize our source of victory. And then we return to the basics of, you know what? I may have had success in this area, on the farm, in my job, in my family. I may have been able to retire, but you know what real success is? Is loving God with all that I am and loving other people as myself because that is faithfulness and obedience to God's Word. So after victory, the challenge is to get back to basics, doing the things that set you up for victory in the first place. And here's here's a truth. You'll see this on the screen behind me. If you don't handle and deal with victory and success in this way, you'll quickly be dealing with failure. You will quickly be dealing with failure if you refuse to recognize that your devotion to God must remain the same. If you refuse to recognize that your source of victory is God and God alone. If you refuse to continue to obey God's commands, you'll not experience more success, more victory. You'll experience more failure because you have gotten off track from what set you up for success in the first place. So what will you do when God gives you some of the things that you've been wanting to see happen in your life? What will happen when you accomplish that goal? Or at work you get that promotion? Or something just happens that's just been beating you up for years and all of a sudden you think, you know what? I'm I'm in a little different place today. I've experienced something good in my life. What happens when those victories come? here's, Here's what I challenge you to do. Reiterate your devotion to God. Remain completely devoted to Him. Acknowledge 
the source of your victory. Not just in word, but in what you do. The Israelites gave something. Am I asking for your money today? No, but for some of us, when we get that promotion, that raise, whatever it is, as a sign of thanksgiving to God, it may need to be that we give a gift to somebody or to the church simply to say, you know what, God? This is not mine. It came from you, and I'm going to honor you with it. And then finally, continue to follow God's commands. Love God with all that you are, no matter what happens. And love others along the way, just as you love yourself. This week, my prayer and my belief is that something good is going to happen in your life. Something good is going to happen in the life of this church. And you're going to be faced with, and we'll be faced with, what will we do in the face of victory? All of a sudden, it's not so bad. All of a sudden, we realize we're not designed for discouragement and defeat. Hey, wait a minute. Something good happened. We won. What will you do? Will you read the press clippings and say, you know what? Yeah, I did win. And I tell you what, I worked hard for that. It's about time something good happened to me. The world's been owing me a little bit anyway. Or will you say, you know what? God, I realize that if I don't remain devoted to you, that the good things in my life are going to be fewer and further between. God, if I don't acknowledge you as the source of, of true victory, and God, I'm not going to be setting myself up for repeated victory and success. And God, if I don't follow your laws, number one, I'm in sin and I'm separated from you. Number two, you're not going to bless my life. And so for those of you that experienced something good this week, and you'll see it in lots of different ways, you'll see God faithful in some way that you just haven't seen Him before, the challenge, reiterate your devotion. Acknowledge your source of true victory. And then continue to follow God's laws. My prayer for this church is that as we do what God wants us to do, that God will bring people into our church that need to be touched by Him, that need to have their lives changed, their lives put back together. But as that happens, we've got a choice to make. Will we assume that because of how friendly and how great and how awesome we are, that person's life was changed? Or will we assume that we are simply tools in God's hands to be friendly, to be encouraging, to be loving, and to trust God to change somebody's life? And as a church, when we experience good things, when God brings success and goals accomplished and people reached for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, will we reiterate our devotion and say, God, we are completely devoted to you in everything that we do? Will we acknowledge the source of our victory? And give thanks to Him. And will we continue to follow God's commands? The Bible is clear that you are designed for victory and success. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, that's the sort of life He wants you to live. Not one of being defeated and discouraged all the time. But there's a part you have to play. My prayer is that you'll play that part individually and we'll do it collectively. The Bible is also clear that the starting point for ultimate victory and success in life is to give your life in a real way to Jesus Christ. If you've not done that, you can follow all the things you want to do, you can work as hard as you can, and you can gain all the stuff this world has to offer, but the Bible makes it clear that if you don't commit your life to Jesus Christ, acknowledge Him as the only source of salvation, and receive His forgiveness for your sins, the Bible says that everything else is wasted. Everything else will be for nothing. 
And so if that's you, I want you to understand, I hope you experience good things in your life this week, but the greatest thing you'll ever experience is to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you haven't done that, then my prayer would be that maybe at the end of the service, you'd either track me down down here as we sing, or maybe in the back, or call me this week, or whatever it is, or talk to a friend that you know is a believer in Jesus. But let's get on the track of seeing God repeat the successes in our life. Life is not all about being discouraged and let's pick ourselves up. Sometimes life is about, hey, we just had something great happen. Now how can we see that happen again? What can we do? We've seen it today through God's Word, through the example of the Israelites. Let's pray. God, my prayer, my, my real prayer is that we would see incredible things this week. And God, I don't even know what that looks like. For some of us, God, it may be something we've been praying about a long time. God, for others, it may just be a financial blessing that you pour on them. God, for others, it's going to be something different. But God, I know that you've not designed us for defeat and discouragement. God, you've designed us to to experience you in ways of victory, even in tough circumstances. So God, I pray for for our, our church and for the people that are here. God, I pray we'd see some incredible things this week. But God, I know with that comes a test. And so, God, I pray that as we experience great things, even the little successes that might always be overlooked, God, that you would remind us to be, to be devoted to you, that you would take us back to basics on what, what set us up for success, to be devoted to you, to give thanksgiving to you, our ultimate source of victory, and to continue to follow your commands, especially, especially in victory. God, it's easy to learn from failure. And it's easy to deal with that. God, help us to deal well with success. That the world would see that even when things go well, that we are still devoted to you. That you are not a God that we only cry out to when things are awful. But God, even when things are good, even when we have great things happen, God, that we would remain devoted to you and be a testament to the world of who you really are. God, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just stand, let's close with a song.